coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we talk about Lenovo Rola. That's right, uh, Lenovo purchasing Motorola and how that means they'll be getting into the U.S. phone market. Uh, we also talk about Facebook's best app ever, Paper, uh, and why you should download it today. And we talk about the scourge of the earth that is in-app purchases. Uh, all that and many more stories on tonight's Don't Panic. This is Don't Panic, episode number 32, recorded February 3rd, 2014. On the in-app economy, Moto Lenovo and Facebook's best app ever. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Don't Panic, the number one technology podcast that lost all their money on the Broncos. I'm Sean Jennings and I'm joined as always uh, by the uh, two tech uh, superstars themselves, Dan Miller and Colby Rabideau. Guys, how we doing? Uh, good. Uh, did you have to think about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to be sure. I wanted to be thorough. I don't want to lie. We strive for that, so you, you nailed it. So perfect. Uh, did you guys get to, were you among the 111 million Americans who watched the Super Bowl? I did. Uh, and I it did was, watch the Super Bowl. You did or didn't, Colby? I did. Okay. I was. I watched it, and it was really boring. It was exciting at first because they they like they like put the ball in their own end zone, and that was funny. And then it was boring for a while, and then it was exciting like after the halftime show because they might have actually been the first shutout in Super Bowl history, and then it wasn't, and it was boring again. Yeah. Did you yeah. now? Did you? Were there any? Uh, we won't spend too much time on this, but were there any? Commercials, especially tech commercials, that really grabbed your attention during the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the only tech commercial was the SodaStream commercial. That even counts. There was a Google what? commercial after the game had ended. Well, there was T-Mobile with Tim oh, Tebow, yeah, yeah. which that... was funny. Squarespace had their first Super Bowl ad. That's um, right. GoDaddy had theirs. That did not count. Uh, yeah, what a terrible example of a tech company. Um, <laughs> Microsoft had their big one, their first ever non-product specific ad they've ever run. What was it? I missed it. It was it was inspirational, and it was about how Microsoft is pioneering technology. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, um, an Apple ad? No, I was Apple really ads. hoping. I was Not hoping that Apple was going to do the 30th anniversary Microsoft ad. That was that was a mess. 30th anniversary ad. That's yeah. what I wanted from Apple. And that, there was a big rumor on that, but Apple opted to not run any ads. Um, so it was certainly it was certainly very interesting. So, uh, but we know people don't come here to talk sports. Uh, they come here to talk technology, and uh, it's been a busy week, isn't it always? Uh, and we are going to start with uh, one of the biggest, probably the biggest stories of the week. Definitely one of the biggest stories, uh, and that would be the uh, Google Rola is dead. Long live Lenovo Rola. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Are these uh, like celebrity really, couple names? Yeah, this is the new thing, uh, and it's very <laughs> tough to say. Um, that's right. It was announced this week that uh, Google, um, about uh, almost two years, a little short of two years ago, uh, purchased Motorola Mobility for $12 billion, and today they sold it uh, to the fine folks at Lenovo for $2 billion. Uh, they, wow. they kept... Uh, the vast majority of Motorola's patents, which are very valuable, and the uh, research and development arm of Motorola, but to Lenovo, they sold the entire 
uh, handset business. Um, Lenovo's been trying to get uh, into the phone business for years, but they've been focused mainly on Asia. Um, this, uh, the Motorola unit cost Google nearly $1.3 billion last year in operating losses. Um, so it's, uh, with this, it makes Lenovo the third largest phone manufacturer globally uh, behind um, Samsung and Apple. Um, what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think? I don't know. I don't know how to feel, Sean. I'm confused and upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're very honest about it, so I can't fault you for that. Uh, no, I, feel I mean, like two months ago, I bought a Google phone, and now I have a Lenovo phone, and I, I don't <laughs> even. Know. Well, the good news is, I, I would be surprised if it stopped running Android. A because Lenovo oh, yeah. is now kind of. Google will always be part of Motorola's history, but also I don't think Lenovo wants to develop their own operating system. So at least there's oh, that. And, I, I, you know, it doesn't specifically say in anything I've read, but I have to assume that there are going to be some Google people who will be going with Motorola to Lenovo. Um, so I think there will always be a bit of Google in whatever Motorola becomes. Uh, I hope, anyway. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I guess we'll see, right? Like, we won't I mean, know until like, they come out with some new phones. But I, I guess the the big reason here for Lenovo purchasing Motorola is we've said Lenovo's been trying to get into the mobile phone industry, uh, and by purchasing Motorola, that gives them relationships with over 50 international carriers, including all four major U.S. carriers, something yeah. companies like Sony have been desperately trying for for years and have had a lot of trouble. Um, so they've really b essentially bought their way in and at a bargain basement price um, right. of $2 billion. Say, so, right. So I will say that, like, I don't know, if, if Google was willing to sell it for that little, like, I'm glad someone bought it rather than just have Motorola, like, disappear into, into like, the bowels of Google and not make awesome phones anymore because the Moto X is awesome. Just awesome. Do we well, think that Google's plan all along was to get the patents and sell it off after some amount of time? I mean, I could speculate and guess, and my answer to that would be no. I think Google, if, if it weren't, A, so far off of what Google normally does. I mean, Google doesn't do hardware usually. Um, and also if it wasn't losing so much revenue. I think they would have kept it. I, I think, and I think... And again, this is totally speculation. I think Google has that attitude of, well, we're Google, um, mm. and we can totally run Motorola better than whoever had been running it. You know, I, how, can, how hard can it be? And I think they learned that hardware, and especially cell phone and smartphones, is a really difficult market. Um, and I'm, I'm not surprised they sold it. And Do you, you know, think you know, uh, they were pressured by any of the other manufacturers to stop uh, because it kind of feels bad if Google is like, hey, use our operating system, but by the way, we also make our own hardware of this operating system. kind of yeah. feels like it just wouldn't be a level playing ground at that point. No, and that was the big controversy when they bought Motorola, was that, well, that's really unfair that they get into the hardware business. Um, and uh, just last week, uh, Google struck a deal with Samsung over some patent sharing, and it, it's hard to say if this deal played into that at all, but it certainly reinforces the idea that Google really just wants to be in the software. 
um, and doesn't want to have a player in the hardware. So I, I think this is honestly a great deal for everybody. I think it's good for Google because they're dropping something that's diverting their focus, sucking money away, and something they don't need. I think it's good for Lenovo because recently, Lenovo, number one PC manufacturer in the world, they released a series of awesomely reviewed tablets from CES running Windows 8. I mean, they make good hardware. So I think that's a, a and they have a Lenovo name. So I think that's a good transition for Motorola. So I think it's a win-win for everybody, honestly. I don't yeah. know. Would, would you guys consider, do you think this is going to have a good outcome? I mean, I, I think, so... I think Motorola is certainly going to get, like, okay. So I think I think they, Motorola easily could have, like, disappeared into nothingness if it stayed with Google, you know? And I do think they have good phones. Uh, and so, you know, from that perspective, um, I think it's good. And Lenovo also kind of has, a, like, they have a history of, like, taking other people's leftovers and... and uh, running with it and doing doing all right and and also kind of keeping it true to like yeah I was going to say doing nothing differently taking right, right. like what's did. the difference between a Lenovo ThinkPad and an IBM ThinkPad like it says Lenovo on it basically as far as I can tell but yeah up until recently uh, I think we talked about the keyboard controversy on the show once yep the I think the toggling keys. Anyways. And, you know, Sutton, I just, thought, I haven't thought of this, but, you know, Lenovo has a lot of business credibility. And I wonder if that's something they could and want to bring to Android, which currently doesn't have a lot of business credibility. Mm-hmm. So that would be that's an interesting thing. Oh, you mean you mean like enterprise-wise? Enterprise. Yes, because think about uh, it. If you want to buy an Android phone for enterprise, what do you buy? I think Lenovo is really in a prime position to set themselves up to be the that's, that's a, a stylish, clever. awesome Android enterprise phone. That, you heard that, it here I, first. Sean, you, I, should, you should start a podcast where you talk about this stuff. <laughs> no one would watch it, Dana. No one would watch it. Um... Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Um, it, this deal obviously just happened, so we don't know what the future holds exactly, but um, Google out of the hardware business, sticking with software, and of course interesting that they kept their R&D division. Um, everything from modular smartphones to smart pills to electronic tattoos, all that uh, weird, wacky stuff Google it, loves. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that makes sense, given the stuff that Google's been buying the last few months, really. Yeah. Uh, but they got to put we'll something see. on those uh, Google barges, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, question, though. Do, do How many companies buy phones for their employees anymore? Isn't the whole idea now that you bring your own device and they install their super encrypted software on it and then they don't have to buy you a phone? That's true, but I think... That's why I think there needs to be a balance between an enterprise phone that's secure and a phone that looks good and people want to use every day. That's the phone that's going to do it. The phone that companies say, you want that cool Lenovo phone? Great. We love it. Bring it. Do it. You know, we, that's the number one phone we recommend. That's the, and that's where BlackBerry's falling short is they make phones enterprise likes, but nobody wants to use. Um, 
So that's, I think, where you're, yeah. you're right. People want to bring their own devices, but, you know, if you're going to get a, a cheap Android phone no one's ever heard of... I guess I live in the wrong world. It seems like very few companies buy phones for people, but I guess based on my subway observations, there are still a lot of Blackberries. Do people, like, actually want to bring their own... to use their personal phone as their work phone, though? Do you like, want is that to? something people want? No, I, I absolutely don't. You ever. don't want That's to check not... your work email on your phone ever. Not on like, my personal phone. I, I want to have another phone that I can leave behind when I don't want it. If the, but if the choice was you can check your email on your personal phone or you can get a BlackBerry and check it on that and now you're carrying two phones, you wouldn't opt to just keep the one phone? No. Oh, you're crazy. <laughs> it's plausible deniability, Dan. Like, <laughs> anyone, you know, it's easy enough to believe that I left my phone at home because I probably did leave my work phone at home, but I didn't leave all my phones at home. <laughs> and then it's like if something really like that's a different problem where you need plausible deniability in your workplace. No, Come back I, next I, week I until they get fired deniability. from his job. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next week I'll be unemployed. <laughs> it's not that I need it. It's just that I just like there's there's like you can I don't know. It's just a distraction when, when I'm not at work. It's a distraction, and I I like to use my phone. Like I do lots of stuff on my phone, and I don't I don't need to be like add add like work emails to the list of things I like look at. Instead of like sleeping or reading or something. You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, uh, that's a debate we'll just have to leave for another day. But let's move on, <laughs> gentlemen. Uh, are you a fan of apps? I like apps. You like, like apps? Half-priced apps. Half-priced apps. Are you a fan of Facebook, which, by the way, celebrated its tenth anniversary? <laughs> no Book way. Face. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The launch they of the, my the Facebook. Um. Well, what if I told you we combine the world of apps and the world of Facebook into something that's excellent? Would you, would you be interested? Yeah. As long as they're not Facebook apps. But what if... <laughs> this is the app The Verge called the best Facebook app ever. And it would be called Paper. No, not like the existing app called Paper. This is a different one. Despite the fact it has the same name. Is app called Paper? It is. It's like a, it's a read-it-later type app that's... Really no, it's the uh, Isn't draw it? your fingers on the iPad app. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. Okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, this You're thinking is... of Instapaper. Oh, yes. Thank <laughs> you. Which is also similar. Um, go figure. So Paper is a, a new app from the fine folks at Facebook. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, called it the app he's always wanted. Uh, and essentially, it takes a bit of a different spin from the existing um, Facebook app. So there's really kind of a focus, and I have the second camera set up for a live demonstration. Um, but the focus is really on news and stories rather than what your friends are doing. In its current form, it's not really a replacement for your uh, current Facebook app, but it's pretty great. So let me switch to my other camera, and I'll walk you guys through it. Colby, I'm is, is well familiar, but um, for those of you in the audience who... Colby doesn't have an iOS phone anymore. He has no idea what we're talking about. 
That's true. I mean, he did go to the dark this, side. This has been a thing at Facebook since since before I didn't have an iOS phone anymore. That's too bad. <laughs> That's too bad. So, uh, so here on the uh, armchair cam. Whoa. Yeah, I know. I really went crazy. So uh, I apologize to any of my Facebook friends whose stuff gets posted uh, live on the air. Sorry. Um, there you see. Don't panic. Don't panic. Uh, so this is your primary page, and what it does is it shows you uh, stuff from your friends and your feeds. It's got these uh, little tiles here I can scroll through, and these are your friends, or if there's a, a page I like, there's something from Jill, one of our contest winners with her mug. Nice. Um, thanks for posting that. Um, and like I followed the Colbert Report, so you'll see a post there. Uh, and these nice big uh, header photos. You'll also see up here the standard set of check your notifications, messages, and friend requests. Uh, but what, what really is interesting about this app is now when I scroll this uh, top image here, it actually then goes to a set of um, predetermined topics I want more information on. So headlines is an example. And this is currently pulled from a set of uh, pre-approved sites. I assume that's going to go wider as time goes on. Uh, but these are like uh, Politico and the New York Times and the Washington Post for headlines. I had I The Verge on there today, too. For the Oh, there it is. Yep. So when you click on it, it pops up, gives you a little summary. Uh, you can like, comment, and share it right from here and read other likes and comments. And then you just take you know, it. You can, like, swipe it up, Sean. Yeah. it's. I love the animations. It's really beautiful. And they open in this kind of uh, mobile-optimized site. Uh, and you can read the article quickly, and then when you're done, it just flips right back. Isn't that nice? I, I'm a sucker for stuff like that, and then you just swipe it away. So I overheard a... a uh, not passionate, but a very uh, rigorous debate about this at work today. And I don't know if Colby can give his opinion on it, but there, was, there seemed to be two camps. There are those who, like, appreciated the way that the design influenced your engagement, and then there are those who held the opinion that the design should come first and the content should, or the, the, the content should come first and the design should just get out of the way, and that all these flashy animations and the weird movements are, don't enable you to read the content any better. Like, why do you have to swipe up to get a bigger view and then swipe up again to actually read it? things like that. Uh, and I see their point, but I personally, at least in the one, like, 12-hour period that I've now had it, have enjoyed the, you know, I like this uh, take on Facebook much better than I like the Facebook app. And I disagree. I could use this as my regular Facebook app because when I open Facebook, I barely ever post anything. No one ever adds me as a friend. And so I just read notifications and scroll through the timeline, then I close it. I mean, the, the only... I like this on a loser, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, and it you could use your primary um, as your primary app because, like I said, you get all of your um, notifications, but you can also um, post right from the app as well. So this will cover a large chunk of what you do on Facebook. You can search from it as well. Um, yeah. The only thing is, is you're just not going to get as granular... A look. Can at, you view profiles with it? Um, yeah, I think so. That's a good. Yeah. Oh. It's it's just again it's and it's the same with the news stories. It's just filtered and organized, and you're just not yeah. going to see every single thing. 
And so, if you're if you're really anal, I would say this probably isn't. The the thing I like about it is that you get. Like I feel like the the canonical news feed at this point for me is so like so busy like yeah because because there are like there are I mean I like NPR and I like to see NPR stories in my feed and I like you know the Onion and I like to see that stuff in my feed um but like between those and like you know the New York Times or like if you want to have more news or something it's it gets really overwhelming like in the way twitter can get really overwhelming if you follow more than like 100 people um so people that post often though right 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 yeah so so i really um i like it for that sense because it it like kind of gives you like a way to appreciate the the silos of things that you follow more than just like being overwhelmed by all this noise in your in your feed, so I think it's cool. I think I mean one. I think Facebook deserves props for doing what a lot of companies won't do and say we realize friends aren't the only thing that matters about Facebook because for a long time that was really their only everything. But this they're finally saying it's broader than that. It's about the social graph as a whole. We can make a news yeah. reader app. I mean, it incorporates your friends, but it's not just about the core Facebook experience, and I like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, well, I, mean, I think Facebook wants to be, like, I don't know if they want to be, but people have begun to see Facebook as the thing that has everything. Like, they have email, and they have Facebook. And if it's not email, then it's Facebook, whether it's following the New York Times or ESPN or playing games. It's really incredible. Whereas me, like, I like this a lot, but I don't know. Like, it feels like a company that would be dedicated to bringing me news would be better at bringing me news. But at the same time, there are no companies that are dedicated to bringing me news that do it in a more pleasing way than this, for sure. So, I don't know. Fair enough. I, I I think the design style is excellent, and I think, uh, no offense, but the Facebook app has never been the most exciting or uh, thrilling to your eyes app. Certainly with iOS 7, it did get a big upgrade, uh, credit for that, but uh, I, and I really like the standalone messenger app as well, so I like the mm-hmm. direction these apps are going. Um, what I want now, quite honestly, is I want an iPad version. Um, it's currently iPhone only. Um, I... I blew it up because, you know, you can run iPhone apps on the iPad. I blew it up. It looked awful because it didn't scale well, obviously. But <laughs> the concept of scrolling through the cards and opening the stories, I actually really liked on the iPad. So I'm actually excited, uh, and I hope that's coming soon. But uh, I, I I like this direction Facebook is going, and I agree that uh, this is definitely one of the best, if not the best, apps Facebook has ever put out. So I'm, I'm excited. Yay. Well, I don't know. Do you know how many iPhones there are versus iPads? Uh, there's more iPhones. Yeah, but how many more? <laughs> a lot. A lot more. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Interestingly, though, among pet owners, 
they tend to have more iPads than iPhones. That's an interesting statistic. And as well as small business owners, moms, casual simulation gamers, home design enthusiasts, parents, casino gamers, card game players, and that's it. That, that seems According right. According to Flurry Analytics. That is a fun Flurry. fact. <laughs> if you're a gambler, you need to have an iPad. Just <laughs> make those bets on the bigger screen. Um, so, uh, quickly, I have, um, I have two quick stories, and then we're going to talk about uh, the wonder of in-app purchases. Uh, quickly, I wanted to mention uh, Google's Chromecast finally opened its SDK to developers. Uh, previously, previously, it was only pre-approved companies like your Netflixes and Hulu Pluses of the world. Um, but now it's officially open to everybody, so um, look in the coming weeks to see, hopefully, fingers crossed, some of your favorite apps uh, adopt uh, the Google Cast SDK uh, for sending content to the Chromecast. I also mm. wanted... Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Or It seems pretty straightforward. I don't I mean, know. I, I don't have a Chromecast, so... I don't understand why they didn't just build it into the OS, or did they? Is it built into Android? So, like, the great thing about app, the AirPlay, is that any, like, video view that opens up is just automatically AirPlayable. So no matter what app, when they rolled it out in the OS, everything works. It's, um... Including right, embedded in, like, web pages. Right now, it's, as far as I understand it, it's embedded for Google apps on Android, but as far as Google Play Store apps, you know, everybody else's apps, they're, it's not currently, but the rumor is it'll be in the next version of Android. Okay. So, um, yeah. But the, so, Google, Chromecast works with, like, the browser and stuff, too, right? Like, you, you don't necessarily... On your tab. computer, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and iOS uh, and all that. What would be cool is if uh, you can't really, you can't do this with AirPlay, but with Chromecast, you could, like, make a TV view for your app and then have, like, tablet views, so you could watch a thing and then have, like, the social media stuff up or, like, some metadata about what's happening. That would be yeah. cool. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to... Doesn't Yoga have stuff like that on... I feel like... Doesn't what? On, like... Box or something like if you're watching HBO Go, don't they have like a companion iPad thing or am I thinking of something else? No, there there are things that ha Xbox has a companion app, uh, a couple Maybe different companies. Company. Yeah. Um, but it all requires you to have some larger, more expensive equipment attached to your television, like an Xbox, right? Uh, versus right. a thirty-five dollar Chromecast. Um. Let's quickly talk Pebble, the fine folks who make the fancy watches I desperately want. Uh, finally launched their uh, app store on iOS. Um, it's an app store for apps for the watch. Uh, you download their app on iOS, and you can scroll through. They've got categories that include uh, tools and utilities, fitness, games, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Things like Foursquare, Yelp, uh, and a lot of different services, new watch faces, all of which is... Uh, you can browse through on the iOS app and then send to your watch. Um, they say Android is coming very, very soon. 
Um, so if you're a Pebble user, make sure you get the latest version of uh, 4.0 for your Pebble watch and the latest version of the iOS app, and then you can have all the apps you'd like uh, right on your watch. So many apps. So all the apps you can handle. Um, Dan Miller. Yo. Can you talk us through how much you love in-app purchases? Uh, so I didn't really have an opinion on in-app purchases until this weekend. I had never purchased anything in-app. Certainly not often. Enough. Oh, you know what? So there's this Magic the Gathering app that is great fun for train rides and for playing with people. Uh, and it's $20 to buy the full version. So I support that version of in-app purchasing where you get the game and then it's a trial version. If you want to unlock the whole thing, you pay some fee. That's just basically buying a game, but you download the demo first. Cool. They also let you... They let you unlock all the decks automatically by paying. That takes all the fun out of it, so I never did that. Uh, they also will release expansions with new content, and you can pay for that, and I will pay for that, too. Uh, that was what I thought in-app purchases were. Apparently, I never downloaded any real mobile games. Uh, so this article talks about uh, how in-app purchases destroyed the game industry, and he, he or she, he... Uh, brings out this example of Dungeon Keeper, which I'd heard of but never played, and it looks really awesome. And first he shows you this video of the old Dungeon Keeper. I guess I could try playing it while sharing my screen. Yes, no? Good idea, great idea. It's probably not worth it. Yeah, that never seems to work. All right, so he's playing this game. He's, he isn't. He found some, a video of someone else, and they're, like, carving out these rooms and setting these traps and building these treasures and doing all these cool things, and it's, like, really cool. You can get the game for $6 uh, right now. And then he showed a video of the new iPad Android app. And when I started reading it, I was like, oh, great, this would make a great iPad game, just drawing little boxes and selecting things to build and picking your minions up and dropping them places. It's great. Uh, but basically... When you draw the box around the area to dig out, it takes, like, at least six hours, possibly 24 hours, real-life hours, to dig this thing out. <clears throat> Before, it used to take 20 seconds. <clears throat> and you can pay in these in-game, like, diamonds to go faster. And how much is it? Uh... I think the wasn't wasn't the the highest one like seventy or eighty dollars or I think something. It was seventy dollars. I've played games where you can buy in app purchases up to a hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, here, let me try to find the screenshot. Do, yeah, do, it was it was like seventy dollars or something. Seventy dollars for fourteen thousand gems. Uh, which would and you know you go through those relatively quickly. It wouldn't. You wouldn't be set for life in this game with seventy thousand gems. Uh, seventy dollars more expensive than Bioshock Infinite the day it came out. More expensive than any game the day it comes out, and you don't even get the full game. Really, you just get like the privilege to 
do things in the game faster for a limited amount of time. I don't, like, did people buy that? I, I yeah. don't understand. Yeah. People spend hey. thousands. This was the Apple got sued uh, a year or two ago because people's kids were going on, and when the parents weren't supervising them, they were buying thousands of dollars worth of things in, you know, games for kids. I mean, I, like... Yeah, I understand, like, a kid would could do that, not understand... Like, but anyone older than, like, 14 years old? I don't... <laughs> no, there are... There are people that Zynga refers to as whales that uh, spend thousands of dollars per game, and Zynga's entire business is built around catering to these people. God. It's like a casino. It's a high roller in a casino. Exact same concept. You, but it's, it's like you don't... Do you even get anything back, though? Like, Listen, it's... The, the problem with this is human psychology is really who's to blame. They, believe it or not, companies like Zynga and these big game manufacturers, they hire psychologists and put people in MRIs while they're playing these games, and they study their brain. Uh, no, this is honest to goodness the truth. They study oh, their brain, and then they wait while you're playing the game to the peak moment in your brain activity, and that's where they cut you off. That's where they yeah. set up in the game. You get cut off, and they say, we're done. While you're at your peak, and they say, and then they charge you. It's really the problem. It's the exact same method as people who go into a furniture store and buy a couch with zero down and zero payments for a year. It's the exact same con concept. You want it free now. You don't care about what it'll cost you later. It's going to cost you more in the long run anyway, but you don't care. It's human psychology. The problem is, is when the App Store first came out on iOS... I don't know, most people don't remember, the first couple games that came out were like $20 a piece. And nobody bought them. People were buying free fart apps. And that was when developers realized it's psychology. People are not comfortable with paying that much yeah, for a mobile but the game. It's game perceived back, value. The, the hardware was so much more limited back then. Like, you could play like 2D side-scrollers on like an iPhone 3G. That's true, but it's people are still going to say $60 for an Xbox game has more value than even a $15 iPhone game or a $9 iPhone game or however you price them. I mean, it, it, whether it's true or not, I mean, that's where the psychology comes in. And Why is that true, though? Because it's perception. Is it just not the same people? I agree that I had that perception up until I read this article that that was how I thought, but why, what marketing led me to believe that $60 is a fair price to play an Xbox game the day it comes out, but $10 is not a fair price to play an iPad game the day it comes out? I would say that comes down to uh, market pricing. All uh, video games are $60, so that's the price you expect. If one was $100 and the rest were $60, you'd say, why is that one more expensive? I'm not going to buy it. It goes the same with games. If all the games were priced at $20, you would say, well, that's how much they cost. But $0.99 cents just clicks in people's heads that, mm. that that's what you expect apps to be. I've looked at games and that have been $4.99, I will pause and probably not be unlikely to buy it. A game of equal quality that's 99 cents, I'm way more likely to buy 
just because it's cheaper, regardless of quality or of, of content. You know, it's, yeah, I, it sucks. I do agree. I do agree that like ninety nine cents or even like one ninety nine feels like a, oh whatever it's just a dollar. Um, but Colby, didn't you buy the Magic the Gathering app too? Yeah. Oh yeah, I did. And I bought um, XCOM too. Uh, that was that was like twenty bucks or seventeen or something, and that was wor- absolutely worth it because it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I. Um, I think I think this can be remedied very quickly in one way. One thing needs to happen, and most of this won't be a problem, and that's for Apple to introduce trial downloads to the App Store. And here's why. Because people will not spend $5 or $10 on a game they've never played before. On Android, you can download trial versions that expire. You know, you have more flexibility. You, you can do the limited version yeah. in-app purchase to upgrade to the full version thing. But a lot, but that's an extra step a lot of people don't understand. And people, yeah. people are more comfortable buying coins in a game than they are just unlocking. I agree. I, and I've done games that are free to download and you unlock in games, and I really like that. Yeah. I think it needs to be more ingrained in the App Store, personally. I think it needs to be more upfront and more apparent to people that, you know, you get the first five levels for free and then it, it's one click to, to upgrade the, the whole thing. And I agree. I think more people need to do in-app purchases that style, but you can't blame these companies. It's economic. They make way more money doing it with in-app purchases. How many people actually do the Google Play trial thing, though? Because it used to be a full day, and now it's only 15 minutes. I oh, don't I, have an Android phone. So I've never, I didn't even know that was a thing. I've never seen a a game that had like a trial period. Every app has a trial period. You pay, but if you you can go through this refund process within 15 minutes, then you get refunded. But only if you do it within 15 minutes. And it's not like a single button. It's not like obvious either. Like you didn't know about it, and you're a pretty informed consumer. So I'm skeptical of it. That's a necessary um, component. Yeah. I will say, though, like, if you look at the top games in the Google Play Store, they're all free and, like, they're, like, covered in ads. Even, like, Angry Birds is just, like, disgustingly covered in ads. Yeah, and that's one thing I do prefer about iOS is that they yeah. just... It, it just seems like they expect you to pay for games more, even if you're not paying that much. Uh, I think just in general, the, you're, like, it seems like the expectation on iOS is that you, you will pay for an app. And, like, obviously people do. But whereas on Android, it's, like, the expectation is that it will be free. And there are some people who will pay, you know, $2 or $3 to get the terrible ads out of their face. Uh, but, like, I guess most people are willing to deal with that. Yeah. But, Anyways, the the conclusion of this article is that, uh, you know, for those of us who grew up playing video games, playing things like, uh, what is it called, Dungeon Master? Playing things like that, playing things like StarCraft, and all those classic games that we grew up playing, they're going to grow up playing... Candy Crush and Farmville, and that will be their idea of what video games are. Mm-hmm. 
It's a different structure of game, quite honestly. It's a game set up to get you to spend money rather than to have a good experience or to have fun or to solve a quest or whatever. Um, and I think we can all agree that, A, it sucks, that, B, people are stupid uh, and get suckered <laughs> into these things and spend thousands of dollars, and, C, it's not going to change anytime soon as long as these people are making millions of dollars on in-app purchases. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think your, your comparison to, like, a casino is pretty apt. Like, I mean, like slot electron electronic slot machines. Like, it's the same thing. You just put money into it, and yeah, like sometimes you get money back, but realistically, you don't get money back. And it's like a terrible, crappy game that's like easy to play. But I mean, you can't win because there's no like winning. It's you just pull the lever. Hey, if you're a developer, would you rather have ten people who remove the ads for three dollars, or one person who spends forty dollars on coins? You know. Yeah. Um, interesting discussion. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that story as it develops. <laughs> um, let's talk. We've got a little bit of time before we can work before we have to do picks. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, Microsoft briefly. Um, I'm not going to talk about the 8.1 leak yet. We'll save that for next week, but I did briefly want to mention, uh, we've talked many times before about the search for the next CEO now that uh, Ballmer is stepping down. Well, apparently, um, it's been reported that it's believed that uh, Sada Nadella is going to be uh, the next CEO that has been announced, but it's rumored. Uh, he's uh, currently head of cloud and enterprise services at Microsoft. Um, certainly indicating that the company wants to go in a direction that focuses on enterprise and the cloud. Um, it's also interesting to report that uh, it's expected that Bill Gates will be uh, stepping down as the chairman of the board um, and instead take on an advisory role for products within the company uh, and to focus on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, any thoughts or comments on that? I don't I mean, it's I tough I, when you talk about CEOs any, like, and boards and... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I don't know enough about that. But I do, like... Is it, like... I, I can't tell if the headlines the last couple of weeks about, like, Windows 8 be in, and Metro and stuff being, a, like, a failure. Like, is it actually a failure? Does Microsoft think it's a failure? I... I, I follow a couple of reporters who only cover Microsoft and have a lot of sources in the company, and everything I've read from them says it's considered a failure within the company. Hmm. Not necessarily Metro, yeah. but Windows 8. I don't okay. think Metro is going anywhere. Yeah. It might be different, it might be uh, a little more hidden, if, you know, who knows, but I don't think it's going anywhere. But no, they consider the release of 8 to be a failure. Okay. You know, we just saw this week the, the market share of Windows 8 uh, passed that of Vista, so I guess that's something. Um, <laughs> Step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, take it for, for what it is. Um all right, well, uh, unless you guys have anything else, why don't we move on to um, on to our picks this week. And uh, who would like to go first? Anyone uh, 
want to jump on it? Mine's boring. Oh. Uh, well, let's do the boring one then. <laughs> um, so I work on work on mobile web uh, for work. So I do a lot of testing in like random ass browsers. And the other day, I wanted I needed to test something in Opera. And on my on Android, so I downloaded Opera and I was using it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is great!" Um, <laughs> so that that was like a little unexpected. I expected it to be okay, uh, but it it turns out it was it was kind of pretty awesome. And I've noticed I don't know if this is a KitKat thing or a KitKat on the Moto X thing, but I've had problems with Chrome like. I'll like be looking at something in Chrome and then go to a link that brings me to another app or something or a new tab and when I go back to the original Chrome page it's just black and there's nothing there and I have to refresh and I was like well that's really annoying and then so I was using Opera and I was like what the heck I'll give it a shot so I've been using Opera for a week and it's been great uh, you should give it a try and they do um, so one thing that's confusing is there's like four different versions of Opera in the Android store. Um, there's Opera Mini, which is the one that they do like Amazon Silk style. They do all the crazy stuff like their server hits the server and then it like like renders an image or something ridiculous and send it, sends it to your phone, um, which is not the one I'm using because I don't need to use that because I live in America. Um, but... So I'm just using Opera Mobile for Android, I think it's called. And they also have a beta version, if you're into that. I use the beta, it seemed the same. Uh, but, yeah, I've been using it. And it does have, it, it has, like, off-road mode, which is, like, data-saving mode. So it, it I, I assume, does some, like, minor craziness to, like, compress images and save you data down the wire and make it work better on... Uh, less reliable connections, but it's been a pretty good experience so far, so I, I'd recommend it. Opera you, uh, Opera browser for Android. Have you tried yeah. Opera for the desktop recently? I haven't, no. It, so they just they switched recently in the past year or two to they're based off of WebKit now, which is the same yeah. thing Chrome and Safari use. Well, not really Chrome anymore, right? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> um, Google Google has Google broke off from WebKit and they have Blink now. Oh, yes, I, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But I I I I do have it installed on my computer. I think. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, outstanding. Uh, keep the uh, Android picks coming. That's wonderful. Good to have a uh, an Android rep on the show. Um. Mm-hmm. Dan, uh, yeah. do you have an update for us on your ongoing saga to find email that doesn't suck? Yeah, this one is really disappointing, as Colby predicted. Uh, so I remember seeing a while back this thing called Blinky, and I was like, oh, it's so cute. It's got a little octopus, and it looks great. Uh, there is a really great part to Blinky, or Inky. Inky, yeah, not Blinky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just combined the last pick with this one. Uh, Inky has this really great kind of... eh. So, basically, you create an account with them, and they 
first of all, you know how all the email accounts or email clients are like, yo, just give us your email address and we'll figure out what your settings are and just do it for you. And it never works unless you're like at AOL.com, at Yahoo.com, or at <laughs> Gmail.com. Like that's it. Uh, this one worked with my custom email server, which I never understood why none of the others work because you can literally do a DNS query and then guess the default port, you're probably right, and send a request off to that DNS and you're probably going to work. And that's what this thing did, and it worked. I didn't have to fill out any stupid forms, uh, and it downloaded all my emails super fast, and that's great. The downsides to this application are, one, uh, it stores all your email, or all your email passes through. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I think only your settings are changed or saved. I'm not 100% sure on that. I I got the sense, so I re-downloaded I had tried this a long time ago and didn't like it, but I re-downloaded it today, this afternoon when I got home because I saw you posted it. And, like, I get the sense that your email doesn't go through their their servers, but they, like, store your setting, your, your yeah. accounts and your stuff on their server, which, like, seems okay. Like, yeah, yep, I'm okay with that. Because, again, anyone with half a technical mind could figure it out if they know your email address. Uh, except for email, your username and password, that's different. <laughs> uh, downsides besides that are that it looks ugly as all hell on a retina display, which is now a huge bummer for me. Uh, <laughs> all of that shit on the side, I don't care about any of it. Like, So my email workflow, flow, workflow that I think I explained last time is like I just get all my emails in a giant queue that I never pop off of, I just peek at the top, and it just keeps coming. <laughs> uh, so this, like, I so I don't care problem. about Google Plus or I. I kind of like the idea that you could, you know, give me ads, give me like different things, but I don't want to look at the ads. I want to like see them and then never look at them again. Uh, so all in all, and the interface was just confusing. Uh, and I actually went back to MailMate from last week, uh, and I'm still using that, and it still it's exactly like Mail.app, except it doesn't crash, so uh, <laughs> who knows. But there will be another installment next week, so stay tuned. Cool. There are... Um, so one thing I've noticed is that, like, Inky's... Just in, in, like, 15 minutes of using it, the interface is so slow. Like, why is it so slow? Yeah. I don't get it. I think it's a web view. Oh. Even yeah. so, it should be way faster. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. That's here. not an excuse. It's just a... It's not a on a computer. Thing. Like, I'll give you that on a phone, maybe. Maybe. But, like, on a, com on a desktop computer, your web view should be fine. <laughs> I don't know. I also agree. I found the interface super confusing. Like, every time I go into a menu, I always, like, it It took me, like, several seconds to find yeah. the X button to close it. And I think the, the fundamental problem that this and many of these New Age apps have is that it's icon-based. There's no labels. Like, there's yeah. the inbox label and the all, and then the sorting label, and everything else has to be like, well, that's search. And then the settings buttons in the middle of the toolbar, 
And then to the right of that, there's a trash, and then there's a fol folder out and a folder in. How is the folder in different from the inbox? What is that arrow on the right? What are all those icons on the left? Why yeah. do they have different I colors? There, yeah, there. I think you have to be like, if you're doing just icons, you also have to be kind of disciplined about like the way you use them and arrange them. And I think they're just not not arranged like. I mean the 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 thing I keep like I didn't use it very much. I like so, I like honestly in. I probably used it as much as you did. I was like God, Mailmate was so much faster and easier. Yeah, but like yeah, once you get uh, it set up, I do really like how easy the setup was. Every mail client should do that. I see. So I, I yeah. yeah well, in the in the time it took you to describe that pick, I. Downloaded it, installed it, had a failed setup, and then uninstalled it. That's <laughs> what I did in the, in the I had the opposite experience. It, it I, was, was, yeah. I was shocked that it worked because I don't use Gmail or Hotmail or any of that. I have my own domain name that points to a completely unknown mail provider, and it figured it out. See, mine didn't work. Um, Maybe it was just I a fluke then. Yeah. Uh, so there's your there's your unpick this week, uh, Inky. Oh, I had I have a second pick too. Oh yeah, go for it. Uh, so I read this article today about by Marco Arment, who is a somewhat polarizing but nonetheless entertaining Instapaper, Instapaper, Tumblr, uh, the magazine technology person, and he wrote this article about headphones and coffee. The coffee part, I already knew all that stuff about coffee. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know. Well, I guess I learned that I didn't need to know any more about coffee than I already know. And I can't sh screen share because my one screen share for the session is up. Uh, but anyways, he wrote this article about headphones and coffee that is linked. And basically, too long didn't read. The uh, headphones, take all the money you're going to spend on an amplifier and a digital audio converter and get better headphones. Uh, he was not able to discern any difference in sound quality, no matter what uh, DAC or amp he paired with his headphones, unless you find that the built-in audio on your laptop isn't loud enough for you, and I do not have that problem. Uh, occasionally, something will be like sampled to a super low volume, and I wish it could go a little higher, but that barely happens. And I think you can get software things that do that. Uh, so yeah, and the only thing he said about digital audio converters that I actually was like, oh, that's a good point. Uh, if you have a dock for your laptop, you can then plug the USB thing in and not have to plug your headphones into the laptop in addition to the dock thing every time. So for you cinema display people, that's what I've always wanted is to have a headphone port. So if you get one of these little like $30 USB guys, you can just do that, which is, I might just do that just for that. Uh, coffee. Just get better coffee beans and a grinder. <laughs> and you'll have the best coffee. There, he was talking about what temperature you grind it at and all this stuff that I didn't even realize people cared about. But, yeah, don't care about that. And so, yeah, check out that article. It's, a, it's an entertaining one, if nothing else, and also informative. Marco.org, M-A-R-C-O.org is his website. Very cool. Well, uh, if 
Uh, Dan is going to do two picks. I'm going to start with something very quick. Um, I picked a um, many, many weeks ago an app called Dark Sky, which is a weather app that um, gives you your weather within uh, the next hour in your location. Well, they, uh, about a week or two ago, published a huge up uh, apps, and we'll go to the armchair cam. Um, <laughs> so I can show it to you. Uh, it's updated to, with the iOS 7 look, um, but in addition to that, they went ahead and not only did the... Um, here we go. They not only do the hour where you are, so you see that's the current temperature, uh, what it is, no precipitation, but they also now expanded to include more details, so you get this beautiful uh, temperature graph of what the sky is going to look like. You see partly cloudy, you weather in the next 24 hours. Uh, and, and a several-day forecast, including, which I really like, you get these beautiful, nicely uh, detailed um, looks at, so there you see the snow in blue, uh, and it says when it'll be heaviest during the day, hour by hour, in a really easy-to-see format. Um, and I like how you see the temperatures changing. Uh, it's a really beautiful app, and it gives you a lot of great information. I was really pleased with the update. They also have a um, an update to their map um, as well, so... Uh, that's Dark Sky um, with a uh, great update. So uh, I'm going to start using it more because I actually really like what they did. So I am also a fan. There is. Uh, I'm a fan of in general, so uh, I can't complain. Now, for, for my actual pick this week, okay? How many times has this happened to you as I start most of my picks? You go to an event and you see some schmuck like this, right? He's holding up his oh, iPad. God. That event is called New York City. Oh my god! Every it's day. weddings, funerals, you name it. Some some schmuck is holding. And the, my favorite is when like the smart cover is hanging off. Mm -hmm. you, ever, you ever see that? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I'm like, really? They do that. Flapping in the wind. The other one that really sucks is when someone's recording with their iPhone and they record like this. And you know you're going to go back to YouTube and watch a video that's that wide, right? <laughs> Don't you hate that? That's, that's one of the things I hate about Vine is that it forces you to do it in Instagram too. Exactly. So. You know, there are a lot of great photo apps for iOS, but not a lot of great video apps. Well, what if I told you there was an app that could fix your problems? Would you be interested? I would be. Okay. Well, there's an app called Horizon. Uh, it's on sale now, only 99 cents. Uh, that's a temporary sale, so it would be a good time to get it. But the way it works is it uses the um, gyroscope in your phone to make sure you always shoot a perfectly horizontal video. So I'm going to try using this camera instead of the armchair cam, but i got to figure out. So you'll notice as I tilt, see what it's doing? That's the area it's actually shooting. And as I wrote, so I can hold the phone like this. It's going to shoot it perfectly horizontal. Interesting. Every time. So if I hold the phone like this, vertically, like those schmucks we were talking about, it's going to record just the highlighted area. It does the same thing on an iPad as well. It's got built-in, um, it's got a lot of different options, so you can turn on uh, the flash on and off, um, obviously front and back camera. It's also got um, stabilization, so you can set it to just do the rotation, but you'll notice it's a little, it's a little shakier, or with stabilization, um, which I find works very well. Um, there's also filters, which, you know, I can't say I'm a particular fan of, but if that's your thing... Uh, more power to you. So why would you want to do this instead of just remembering to hold your phone the right way, though? Well, 
<laughs> I have found that, and reviews have found that, this stabilizes you. I have shaky hands, and this stabilizes me better than the iPhone's built in. So even if you don't use the rotation aspect, you can still use the stabilization. I don't know about the new iPhone 5, which I know has uh, the S and the C, which I know has better stabilization, but on my 4S, uh, I find it works really well. Um, and the other thing is, is I just, I don't hold the phone, even if it's, even if you're slightly crooked, um, mm. you're going to get that straight image every time, and if you're really serious about shooting good video you want to share, um, I think this is a really good way to do it. Uh, and it's also just a cool idea, the first app I've seen do it, and at 99 cents, it's really, um, you know, like, I, I, I would love to get this, like, on a boat or on somewhere where that's really shaky and rocky and see how well it worked. Um... But for now, it's uh, it's 99 cents in the App Store. Um, you can also adjust the resolution a little more granularly than uh, the iPhone will allow you. Um, it's got location built in, so it'll tag all your stuff and save it to your camera roll. And all that jazz. So uh, it's Horizon. It's available on the App Store now. Uh, and it's 99 cents, so if you're interested, get it now before it goes up. I think it's normally $1.99, so it's not a huge savings, but... Um, Again, as we've talked about, I'm more likely to try it at 99 cents, and I did. And, uh, <laughs> and, and for, for a shaky hand person who doesn't do uh, video well, it works really well. So that is my pick this week, Horizon uh, for iOS. Very good. Well, I think that uh, concludes Don't Panic for this evening, unless you gentlemen have uh, anything else. I, I can't think of anything else. I right. That's perfectly okay. Uh, we, we talked about a lot, and I guarantee next week uh, we're going to have even more exciting stories. Um, not that this week wasn't exciting, but you never know what could happen. Yeah, we uh, didn't that's even why... really talk about the new Microsoft person who's officially, unofficially the... Yeah, Sasha Nadell. Well, you know, we may want to wait until it's official, but okay. there's not a ton to know about him. He's worked in Microsoft for 20 or 30 years, uh, all on the enterprise side. We'll save our opinions for when he's... Officially official. That's right. Uh, and when we find out more... I just assume <laughs> nobody likes to talk about Microsoft, but... I have to get some... Me. This one's too easy, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, well, we thank all of you out there for joining us. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, our grand central... The sun in the center of our solar system is don'tpanic.io, our fantastic shiny website. These two... Uh, Geniuses cobbled together out of uh, stone and chisel. Uh, <laughs> there you get uh, live episodes, audio and video of past episodes, linked to our Facebook, our uh, subscribe on iTunes, and our RSS feed for your individual reader. Um, I think that's just about most of it. We do this Monday nights, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, when we're on time. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be a little more on time, but that's okay. Uh, we'll blame Google for this yeah. one. Technical difficulties. Maybe they'll focus more on Hangouts now that they don't own Motorola. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but until then, uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, thanks for watching, and good night.